experience there at camp. So, all righty. Well, we'll go ahead and jump into our lesson for tonight, and then after the lesson, we'll have a time of uh, a season of prayer. So, for for the last. Uh, few lessons. We've looked at the boarding of the ark. Um, before Vacation Bible School, we looked at who boarded. We looked at Noah. Uh, we looked at when they boarded, why they boarded the ark. Uh, then we looked at the animals and the animals coming on the ark. We looked at the number of the animals, the variety of the animals that would have been aboard the ark. And we've been looking at several lessons at all these intricate details of the ark. And uh, so this evening I want to look at some questions that have been raised concerning how everything would have functioned on the ark during uh, this year-long preservation of man and animal during the destruction of the flood. And so uh, there's whenever you consider that there was a giant boat, eight people, According to our calculation, 7,000 animals. According to most uh, it's, uh, skeptics' calculation, they put it up in the millions of animals. Whenever you think about that, there are some big problems that arise as to how did this thing work? How is it possible that this took place? And honestly, uh, coming from the viewpoint of someone who didn't grow up in church, someone who hadn't been taught the truth of the Word of God, just looking at it, as the world likes to present it. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world loves to take Bible stories and misrepresent them. And a lot of times unchurched people come to the Bible with these preconceived notions that have been fed to them by the world's ideas. And so they come to the Bible with these preconceived notions and they look at this story and they have all kinds of questions. They're like, how could this possibly be true? How could this possibly work? And I believe that's why we as Christians need to have the answers. So when they come to us with these questions, we can show them how the Bible does make sense. The Bible does work and open a door to them accepting more of what the Bible has to say and hopefully come to the point where they accept the truth of the Word of God concerning the gospel. So this evening we're just going to look at uh, some problems uh, that have been raised concerning the ark and then uh, when we look at these problems we're also going to present some solutions and some answers uh, that would help us understand how it worked. Now honestly we could spend weeks answering these questions. Matter of fact we could make it a lifelong project. I know we could because Ken Ham has uh, made this a lifelong project of answering these questions about these problems and scenarios that are raised concerning the ark. And so we could spend a lot of time answering each of these questions at length, but I'm going to attempt tonight to just quickly and briefly present several of the most common questions, how they would have possibly been solved. The Bible doesn't tell us definitely how they were solved, but we can, uh, through just common sense and reasoning, come up with some answers to what would have possibly worked. Uh, and then we'll move on through the lesson this evening. So the first thing that we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look here in Genesis chapter number 7, we're in verse 1 down through verse number 16. I've read this passage of Scripture several times. Uh, so we're just going to read a couple of verses, uh, and then we're going to pray and jump right into the lesson. In chapter 7 and verse number 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation of every clean beast. Thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two the male and his female. Of fowls also the air by sevens the male and the female to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. 
For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. In verse 7, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. It says in verse number 11, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days, and 40 nights. And of course we go on and we continue to see how the flood prevailed, the waters raised, and Noah and his family was preserved there on the ark. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to look into your word and Lord, to dig in, uh, Lord, uh, to just some common sense and some facts and some understanding of how things could have worked. And Father, uh, Lord, although it is not necessary for us to prove your word, for Father, we know that it is true, Father, but we are able to find uh, some answers, Lord, that we can give to those uh, that ask us why we believe in your word. And Father, we can be ready to give an answer to them. And so Father, I thank you that you have uh, have given us the opportunity and the ability to understand and answer these questions. Now, Father, as we look through some of these problems that have been presented, we present the answers. Father, I pray that you will help confirm in our hearts, Lord, what we already believe, and that is that, Lord, you preserve Noah and his family and uh, the animal kingdom uh, through the ark that you provided. And, Father, we thank you for it. Bless us now this evening. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're going to look at the problems presented and answered. When we look at the problems presented and answered, the first question that is raised is the buoyancy and durability of the ark. The buoyancy and durability of the ark. Now we spent some time covering this when we looked at the building of the ark uh, and discovered that many tests and experiments have proven that the dimensions given for the ark were perfectly proportioned for a stable cargo style of ship. Now I read something today. I actually read this after I was finished with the lesson as I thought, man, I'll have to remember that and share it with them. And look, I did. So that's really good. But uh, I read something that said that this uh, group of college kids was studying displacement. They were studying boat building, displacement, and they were secular. They weren't Christians. They were secular people. And so they were looking at different boats that have been built over time and looking at the displacement, how it worked, and so forth and so on. And so they decided that they would take the dimensions of the ark and see if it would have floated. And so they took the dimensions of the ark and they did all the mathematical equations and they found out that the ark with the weight of the wood uh, so forth and so on, the empty ark uh, would have indeed floated and it would have uh, floated about a foot and a half deep in the water, would have barely sank in the water at all. And so they thought that was pretty amazing and so they thought that they would find out uh, if it would have floated loaded. Uh, and so they uh, took a sheep as their animal and because it was a medium-sized animal and they figured it at uh, 1.7 million animals. And so they put the weight of 1.7 million sheep on the ark mathematically. And they figured out all the mathematics and they found out that the ark would have floated with 1.7 million sheep on it with the weight of them. And they're like, well, there was supposed to be two of every kind. So they bounced it on up to three point something million sheep on the ark and they did the math 
and they found out that the ark would have still floated, although the top rim would have been just out of the water, it would have still floated with 3.7 million sheep. And so they said, well, this boat was built right. And uh, so they put that in their calculations. So we see that the, the ark, the dimensions that God gave, uh, were perfectly proportioned for a stable cargo-style ship. Now, many skeptics, though, want to question Noah's ability to construct such a ship. They, they say, okay, so the dimensions work, it would have floated, but Noah wouldn't have had the intelligence or the ability to build such a, a craft as this. There's no way he could have built this. First of all, I want to say that doubting Noah's intelligence and ability based on the development of mankind in Noah's place in history is evolutionary thinking. It's not biblical thinking. The Bible teaches that Adam was the most developed human that ever lived. And from Adam until now, we have continued to deteriorate, not improve. So to say that Noah didn't have the intelligence to build the ark because of when he lived is evolutionary thinking that says man is continuing to develop, which is not biblical whatsoever. The Bible clearly reveals that the advancement and development of mankind took place very quickly. Now, you remember the three sons who was uh, metalworking, musicians, woodworking. They were masters in these things, masters of trade. We see that farming uh, had already came to where it was something that was done for profit and uh, livestock were raised and livestock were traded. Metal uh, working had exploded. They had metal tools. The music had already been developed and they understood music and how to play and sing. And so mankind advanced uh, very quickly. And so uh, several generations, generations before Noah was born, man had the ability and the knowledge to construct buildings. Matter of fact, there are many ancient ruins all over the world that baffle modern man. They say, how in the world could have humans built this? We don't have the intelligence or ability to do what they did. Uh, we really enjoy uh, watching a show, it's on the, the Discovery. Uh, it's um, uh, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. Don't know if you've ever watched that, but Josh Gates, he's uh, uh, doesn't profess to be a Christian man, but he goes and he... it's. Uh, Expedition unknown, and I think it's unknown because he never finds it. But anyway, he goes around the world and he finds these things, and you know, it's kind of educational and all. And he had several episodes where he was going and looking at these ruins and these massive pyramid type structures that there was, it was unable to comprehend how they could have built this structure, first of all, no understanding how they could have built it. But then they looked at how it was perfectly on the east and on the north and on the east and west and the north and south, absolutely perfect, more perfect than we could have gotten it with transits and lasers. It's mind blowing. But what it does prove is that man had the intelligence to construct some pretty impressive stuff. And so Noah had the intelligence. There is no doubt that man, at the time of the flood, man had developed and mastered many skills and was, was definitely capable of enormous construction projects. I believe that there is no doubt that Noah himself had the skills and the knowledge necessary to build the ark. Now, whether he had learned this through trade and occupation his first 500 years on earth, or if it was just something that God gave him. 
Joel was telling us about a young lady at the camp that had no music tr musical training whatsoever but could play any stringed instrument. It, any, it didn't matter. If it had strings, she could play it. That is a musical gift. That's no musical training. It is a gift. And so God could have clearly gifted Noah with the understanding of how uh, ships would work and how he would need to build it. But I believe Noah definitely had the intelligence and the skill to build an ark that was both buoyant and durable enough to withstand the flood. But whenever we present the buoyancy and durability of the ark, the skeptics like to say there's no way that a boat that big could have been built successfully that would have floated. Can't happen. And they like to bring up another wooden boat that was built in 1909 called the Wyoming. I've got a slide here uh, that shows the Wyoming with the ark. There are several pictures that I'll be showing you through this presentation, and most of the pictures come from this book, Inside Noah's Ark, how it worked. It looks like a kid's book, but it is not a kid's book. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Kale decided she was going to read it, and she said, Daddy, how do you understand all this stuff in here? So definitely not a kid's book, uh, but I encourage you, if you are interested in getting deeper into the art, this is a great book. Boy, I'm telling you what, they really dig into how everything would have worked. So most of the pictures that you'll see tonight, I actually, technology's amazing. I'll get back to less in a minute. But most of the pictures that are, you'll see on the screen, I took them with my phone out of the book, airdropped them to my computer, and I'm showing them to you on the screen now. I'm telling you, technology's amazing. But uh, anyway, we see here the Wyoming. And the, this boat was similar in size to the Ark. Uh, it was the largest wooden ship of modern times. Like I say, it was built in uh, 1909. It's about 350 feet long. If you measure all the way out to the end of that sail, uh, it's about 450. So it's the closest modern wooden ship uh, to the size of the Ark. And many times skeptics will cite this ship as proof that the ark wouldn't have worked. They say the Wyoming failed, so the ark wouldn't have worked. And what caused the Wyoming to fail uh, was that the beams and planks began to twist and buckle, and because they began to twist and buckle, the Wyoming began to take on water. The bilge pumps couldn't keep up. The Wyoming sank, and the 14 crew members died. And so they'll say, Wyoming failed, no way the ark would have worked. This is a modern ship, modern technology. It failed. No way the ark would have worked. But what they don't tell you is that the Wyoming hauled coal for 15 years, thousands of tons of coal across the ocean for 15 years before it began to develop this twisting and buckling problem. Seems to me they left out an important detail there. If you realize that Noah's ark only needed to float for about eight months, this boat floated for 15 years hauling thousands of tons of coal, putting up with weather, waves, storms, and after 15 years it finally started twisting and buckling. I think if anything, the Wyoming proves that the ark could have worked, not that the ark couldn't have worked. Uh, but in addition to the Wyoming, uh, there are many ancient records of huge wooden ships. And you can get in this book and give you all the details about these ships. I've just given this, the skim. Uh, but there's ancient records of huge wooden ships that dwarf this modern Wyoming. Uh, there was a naval battleship that was built around 280 B.C. that was between four and 500 feet long. There was a fleet of battleships built around 294 B.C. that were all over 400 feet long. Uh, another historic record speaks of a wooden ship that was 420 feet long, 70 feet high, and had 4,000 rowers that powered the ship. Um, 
And then there's uh, records of Chinese ships during the Ming Dynasty that were said to have been between 400 to 600 feet in length. And so there's all kind of historic records of wooden ships that were as large as or at least close to as large as the ark that floated with no problem whatsoever. Many of those ships that I just listed were also noted for their speed in the water. They said that the, the speed of the boat was more impressive than the size of the boat. And so... Them guys knew how to build boats. It makes me wonder if Noah didn't preserve some records about how he built his boat and it was passed down over time and over time we lost the knowledge of how to build these impressive boats but in ancient times they still had the knowledge. That's just my theory. But anyway, so we see the buoyancy and durability of the boat. I believe it's easy to see that the ark could have definitely floated. Another problem presented by skeptics is that of necessary space. Uh, in our last lesson, we discussed the size of the ark and how it translated into available floor space for occupancy and storage. When we take the dimensions given for the ark in the Bible, translate it to square feet, three floors, we realize that the ark had about 130,000 square feet of space. I don't know if you realize that's a lot of space. 130,000 square feet of space that would have been available to Noah. Uh, with some careful planning, this was more than enough room for the people, the animals, and the necessary supplies. I've got a picture here that kind of can give you an idea of how the three levels may have been divided. Now, this is just a, a, an author's uh, construction of how the floors could have been divided. And I know you can't see the detail real well there, but it shows the three layers uh, and how that they would have been divided into pens, cages, spaces for animals, uh, room for the people, plenty of room to store food, uh, definitely enough space for everything to fit and everything to fit comfortably on the ark. Uh, so we see that the ark was buoyant and is durable, had the necessary space. And then in this slide we also see some possible solutions for the next two problems that are often presented. And you will give both of these on your worksheet. The next two problems are food storage and then fresh water. Now you'd think, you know, we're setting on the water. The last thing we're going to be worried about is water, but this is a problem. How are we going to have food storage and fresh water? And here in the picture, we see laid out in this depiction, and as I said, we don't know if this is how Noah approached it, but this just shows us that it is feasible. Uh, we see uh, that there's possible storage solutions for up to one and a half year worth of dried food. So a year and a half worth of dried food uh, could have been stored there in this depiction. And this depiction also shows about eight months worth of fresh water for Noah, his family, and all of the animals uh, is what they're showing here. Uh, and when you combine this with the possibility of catching rainwater into holding tanks, fresh water is not a problem. They have plenty of water. Now, I don't know if this is how Noah approached it. We have no way of knowing if this is how Noah approached it. I know there are people who talk about discovering Noah's Ark, and there's books that's been written about discovering Noah's Ark. Personally, I don't think Noah's Ark has been discovered, nor will it ever be discovered. Uh, there, there's a couple reasons I believe that. One, it's not likely that a wood uh, construction would last this long. But the main reason I don't think that it uh, is still there is because I imagine Noah disassembled that thing and built it into houses and barns and all kinds of stuff. And they used that lumber. That's my personal opinion. But outside of discovering the ark and going inside of it, we won't know how Noah approached this. So all we can do is speculate 
But pictures like this and research like this shows us that it's not as far-fetched as skeptics would like to make us think. This is very feasible that this could have been taken care of. Another question that's presented is animal care. How do eight people feed and water 7,000 animals? That does seem like quite a problem. Sometimes feeding my 10 animals seems a little insurmountable in the morning, but uh, how do eight people take care of 7,000 animals? This seems like something that couldn't be accomplished. But with just a little bit of thinking, a little common sense, we realize that it maybe wasn't as big an issue as it may seem at first. Caring for animals is greatly simplified through the use of automatic feed and water systems. And you're like, oh, but the, what, have they been smart enough? Don't go there. They were definitely smart enough to, to make automatic feed and water systems. We went away last Monday. I've got two five-gallon buckets in my chicken pen. Got seven chickens. And in one five-gallon bucket, I filled it up with feet, and it's got two uh, PVC elbows in it, and I filled it up with feet. The other bucket, it's got little water and spouts on it. I filled it up with water, and I left. And when I got back last Monday, of course, Aiden, he went over every day to make sure the other animals were fed, and he checked on the chickens, but he, he didn't have to feed or water them at all. When I got back this past Monday, I went out there and checked. Them buckets are still over half full. They good to go for quite a while. Don't have to worry about feeding them. They taking care of themselves. Uh, now, they probably were a little upset that they didn't get cracked corn every morning like they do when I'm home. But other than that, they were taken care of. And all I'm saying is automatic feed and water systems would have went a long way in making caring for these animals a whole lot easier. It would have been very probable for Noah to design some type of feed and water supply system that would have minimized the need to daily carry food and water uh, to each pen. And there's a slide here that shows some of the uh, different ideas. Again, these pictures come from this book here uh, of different ideas of how he could have designed some feed and water systems uh, that would have worked. Uh, and plumbing would have been very possible to have done with bamboo or other types of things like that. Uh, so very probable that he could have had automatic feed and water systems to take care of the animals. Another problem, and one that I personally used to struggle over, and then then whenever the light came on, I didn't struggle with this anymore. And that is sufficient lighting. See what I said when the light came on? <laughs> sufficient lighting. How did they light the ark? How did they, how did they see in there? And I used to wonder over that and wonder over that. I'm like, how did they see? I mean, this great big boat, how did they see? Well, one thing, Brother Lewis, that I was completely missing is that they had oil lamps back then. <laughs> It would have been hard at all to have taken some oil lamps and, and several gallons of oil, and they'd have been set with light for a long, long time. And I'm like, oh, duh. They had oil lamps. No, they, there's how they lit it. Uh, but then also I have to say that going to the Ark Encounter exhibit uh, really shed some light on the subject for me as well uh, when they showed how that the, you know, oftentimes we interpret the, the Bible verse that speaks about the opening in the top of the Ark. We interpret that as being a single window, uh, maybe 16 by 16 inches. Uh, but when you look at the verse, you realize it doesn't specify that, but instead specifies that the entire top of the ark was, uh, had a cubic space between the top of the ark and the, there was a, a gap, a cubic wide, that most likely ran the length of the ark. Uh, and I have a picture here that depicts how they could have opened that up and how that light could have came in and, and pretty much lit the entire ark. And then you add some oil lamps for the dark corners and crannies, and it's pretty easy to see how they could have lit the ark. Another theory 
and it's just a theory. These are theories, so we can show you all the theories. Another theory is that they didn't have any light much other than some oil lamps, and because of the pretty much constant state of darkness that the animals went into a type of hibernation, and they really didn't have to worry about feeding them, watering them, taking care of them at all because it was dark all the time. That's another theory. I prefer this theory myself, that it was lit, because that would have been one long, dreary year in the dark. But So I prefer this theory, but they're both just theories. The other is just as likely. So either one would have definitely worked. But then we think about all those animals, and we think about feeding them and watering them, and if they had light and they weren't hibernating, there's another problem, and that's the waste. It's been estimated that 7,000 animals would produce several tons of waste uh, every, every day or definitely every week, several tons of waste. What do you do with all that waste? So let's say they have room on the ark to store it. Well, it ain't going to be long and I'm going to be bailing ship. I mean, this, this is going to not be a pleasant place to stay very much longer and I'm getting out of here. You can't be keeping it on board. What in the world do we do with the waste? And so the next question is waste management. And honestly, it seems like an impossible task until you consider some probabilities that might have worked. And one of those probabilities is something that we know as scupper drains, scupper drains. Now, you may not be familiar with scupper drains, but I've got a picture of a kayak here. You see those holes in the kayak? All kayaks have those. Uh, we were, like I said, there was some kayaks that came with the rental house, and so I kayaked around a little bit this week, past week. All kayaks have these holes. They go straight through the boat into the water. And the kayak does not sink. Now, the purpose of these holes is if water comes over into the kayak, uh, that it can drain back out and it won't uh, swamp the boat and you'll be able to stay afloat. And the way that they work is the top of the hole is above the water line. So the water will only come up to the water line. It won't come any higher in the kayak. And so, the, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the first kayaks I had, uh, I seen those holes in it. I got it used, and I thought there was something wrong with my kayak, and so I filled them up with great stuff, uh, only to realize that those were supposed to be there. I had to open them back up again. Uh, but the purpose of them is, is so that if the water gets in your boat, it goes back out. These are, uh, matter of fact, a lot of bigger boats will have these. A lot of cruise ships have these. They're scupper holes. There are ways to drain water off of the boat. So you get water on the boat. This is how you get water off the boat. You could take and put something like this in the ark. As a matter of fact, I have a picture here of Ark Encounter's depiction of what they call a moon pool, uh, but it is actually a uh, scupper drain is what it is. Uh, you could have had these built. Uh, you could have one large one like the Ark Encounter shows there, which is probable. Uh, I like to think that there were multiple small ones throughout the ark. Um, the Bible tells us in Genesis 7.20 that the water was 15 cubits above the mountains. The ark was 30 cubits high. So I believe that the ark was setting in the water less than half of its height in order to clear the mountains. God works all this out, and those secular scientists proved it too, that the ark would have been about 10 cubits deep, maybe 15 cubits deep at the max, so you could have had scupper drains on the top floor and the second floor that went to the outside of the boat that wouldn't have caused any problem for the viability of the boat at all, which would have made perfect little shoots, my thought, if they're scattered throughout the ark, to just 
shovel it out, right on out. I mean, it just goes out, and I would now, now, Ken Ham, he likes to put them all in one end of the boat, but then you got to truck all that stuff down there. So I think I would have spread them throughout the boat. Noah can tell us how it really worked when we get to heaven, but I think that it would have been very easy uh, to have gotten them out. And you combine this uh, with some sloped floors and some gutters. I got the next picture there. Uh, you can see how that waste removal would have become almost an automatic process. Uh, you could have had a scupper drain right there at the bottom of that gutter, just sweep it in, out it goes. Very probable, very viable, woodwork, definitely, no question. Is this how Noah did it? I have no idea if this is how Noah did it. But I do know that when the skeptic says to me the ark wouldn't work, I can say, oh, yes, it would. I don't know how Noah did it, but this is how I would have done it, and mine would have worked too. You can't discredit the Word of God. is definitely very probable. The last thing that I've got here, another problem that seems uh, crippling at first is fresh air supply. Fresh air supply. All right, so we got people, animals cooped up in a boat. How do we keep fresh air? This place is going to get pretty difficult to live in after a while. But whenever you consider the solutions that we've already discussed, we realize that they also take care of this issue. If we had a window running the full length of the top of the ark, there's a ton of fresh air coming in there. If we have scupper drains for waste removal, they are also open ports to fresh air. Matter of fact, if they went into the water, they would actually pump air into the ark as the ark rode across the water. So the fresh air is actually not a problem at, at all when we combine it with the other things that we've looked at. And you can look at all of these in much more in depth. Uh, if it interests you, I recommend you get a copy of this book. Uh, dig into it. It's very interesting. I, I love it myself. It just, it just intrigues me. I love it. I watch videos about it, read books about it. I've got a whole stack of books about it. I just love looking at how all these things show that God's Word really is true. It really does work. And I think, you know, whenever we teach these lessons to our children, it would do us good to go a little more in detail. Instead of telling them, that Noah took all these animals on a boat and allowing them to formulate some impossible scenario in their mind. When we teach these lessons to our children, let's teach these details. Noah took them on the ark and God had instructed them and this is how it worked. And let them see that God's word is true. If there's one thing that's certain, it is this, that God's word is a reliable account that we can stake our eternity on. Many people look at the account of the ark and the flood, and they say, well, there's no way this could be true. And whenever they think that that can't be true, they begin to doubt whether or not the gospel is true. They begin to doubt whether or not they can stake their eternity on the Word of God. When we look at these facts like this, it proves that the Word of God is true. It is an accurate account, and we can stake our eternity on it. This Word of God has proven itself true over and over again. The Word of God has withstood the test of time. It's withstood the accusations of critics. It's withstood the scrutiny of the learned. It always rises above. The Bible always comes out on top. It always proves true again and again. If this lesson tonight, I know that we didn't dig into any deep spiritual truths, but if it don't accomplish anything else, it accomplishes this. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it for me. Actually, you could turn that around and say, God said it, that settles it. And I believe it. Either way you want to look at it, if God said it, it's true, you can count on it. The Bible may not re record every little detail, 
But when we dig in, we find out that all the details fit with the account that God gave us. God's Word is true. There's no doubt about it. Now, next Wednesday night uh, will be the, is the end of Brother Robbie's internship, and so next Wednesday night uh, he'll be speaking for us uh, on the Wednesday night service. I told him that he could finish his internship by speaking on a Wednesday night, so he'll be speaking next Wednesday night. But then when we come back, I'm going to finally be to the what I've been shooting for the whole time, and that is the presence of God on the ark. And so I can't wait to get there. And so we'll be heading to the, the presence of God on the ark and a great, a great spiritual picture that we find there in God taking care of Noah and his family on the ark. I hope you all enjoy these lessons concerning Noah's ark. I would encourage you, if you've never been, to take a trip to the ark encounter.